And of course, there's something else that's been happening in that area is uh, the conference on uh, racism presented by the Jesuit Institute. Father Russell, how are you? I'm very well on yourself, Kanya. Fine, thank you. How was Town? Town was good, except for the fact that there was no electricity for the duration of the conference at the uh, at the hotel. So people really got a good experience of what it is like living in townships in South Africa. So you got uh, the the last uh, end of load shedding or the load rotation? <laughs> no, in, no. In fact, it wasn't load shedding, Kanya. It was. Um, fact that they told us at the hotel uh, on Freedom Square that the cables had been stolen, the copper cables for electricity had been stolen on Sunday night. And the conference began actually on Sunday night. So for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there was no power. So you mean this is not recorded or anything, in other words? Recorded how? Uh, In other words, you couldn't use your equipment to, to record the speakers and so on? Yeah, it was a little bit difficult because um, only certain plugs are working. The hotel does have a generator, and uh, they managed to keep a few essential things going. But, of course, it made things a little bit more difficult to do that kind of thing and run um, yeah, recording equipment and so on. Yes, yes. And generally, uh, in terms of the conversations, the submissions from people, how was this conference? You know, I think kind of that everybody uh, came away from that feeling quite... Uh, what's the word, uh, affirmed or consoled in the fact that uh, this is a very difficult uh, topic to talk about. It's one that causes all sorts of uh, emotional responses. And yet uh, the papers that were delivered uh, were certainly of, of, of good quality. So we had people talking, for example, about white supremacy. We had people talking about uh, you know, how racism has given rise to poverty across the world. We had people talking about theological uh, interpretations of racism and looking at issues, for example, like shame in the book of Genesis and how that relates to racism, uh, looking at uh, the formation of young people for ministry and how information, if we are really um, talking about and getting people to interrogate issues of racism uh, between them. So there was a very wide uh, amount of papers. One of the professors from UNISA, for example, uh, Professor Kritzinger, presented a paper on how the Eucharist is a non-racial event. So it was a very, very interesting conference. And I think this great diversity of people coming together from all over the world enabled us to have really rich discussion. And at the end, what was important for us was especially to, to, to look towards uh, praxis. So very often, these academic conferences, people give papers and, 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 and we talk about the content and, and then people go away. And, and we're quite determined with this one to say, how is it that we can use this event uh, as a stepping stone to continue this discussion that Father Matthew really helped us to start in Winter Living Theology, to continue this discussion in our country, not just in our country, but in other places in the world. So how do we be bold? How do we be courageous? But how do we also be global in this conversation? Yes, so I know that you had Father Lawrence as well giving his his paper. Who else was there? For so Father Matsupani Morare was there. Uh, uh, Professor Nontando Khadebe was there. Um, uh, as you know, Father Lawrence was there. There was uh, some of our partners uh, from Heartline, Seth Nika, uh was there. Um, Father Anthony Egan gave a paper on the question of racism in the church in South Africa, asking the question, is the Catholic Church in South Africa racist? And he looked at historically the, um, 
the experience of the first three black priests that were ordained in KwaZulu-Natal and how yes. uh, they were basically treated by uh, their white counterparts. So, yeah, so there was a brosary. Jakub Boboniak uh, from um, St. Augustine College was also there. Uh, Dr. Marilyn Naidu from um, from UNISA. Uh, there were a number of people from the University of Pretoria. So there was a very wide berth of people. And uh, as you say, Father Anton Egan, focusing on uh, the racism in the church, then he started there where it all began. What was his reflection for now in the church? His reflection for now is that we in the church still have a problem and that we, we need to talk about this uh, problem and that uh, we still see kind of, even though it's in different guises, we still see these like divisions in the church that are at the end of the day, racial divisions. Um, you know, the diocese has an event. You know, black people come, white people don't. Um, and, how, and how do we as a church, if we're going to lead the way as a church in terms of um, healing, reconciliation, if, we, if we're going to try to be at the forefront of this, helping people to engage on the topic, how we need to look internally and need to begin to examine our own internal uh, processes and, and the way that we act, the way that we do things, the way that we think about church. Yes. And uh, uh, you know, and and what we can do about it internally, in as much as we we want to also try and be leaders in society when it comes to this. And then, Father, just moving on to something else, uh, this uh, article on Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, uh, you know, that uh, whole uh, sexual abuse of seminarians, and how uh, it's typical of the American church. The person who wrote the article says that, you know, then we just go into investigate and then uh, what's the word they use convict and i'm trying to find those right words you know you, you say this you've done this wrong and now we convict you for this but not necessarily looking at the systemic issues uh, stemming from that you know i'm kind of you're absolutely right and i think that a very good piece actually to go and read i'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what the title was but it's something like how to respond to the mccarrick Scandals yes. for culprits won't solve the problem by a lady, Rita Ferrone, which is in Commonwealth. So Commonwealth is one of those um, American ecclesial uh, sites or magazines. And um, even though you have to pay, if you register, you get five or ten articles a month for free. Yes. But she's written a very good piece there where she's responding to a number of people, even uh, people who are well-known, like Bishop Robert Barron, are saying things like people need to be held accountable, they need to be censured, they need to be convicted. Uh, so that we can move on. And she says that this is not going to work and that all these kinds of so-called legal and penal solutions to this injustice are likely to fail. And she gives a number of reasons. And these are hard reasons. Because first of all, she says that Pope John Paul II needs to be investigated because he's implicated that he gave McCarrick a red hat, that he signed off on his advancement, that uh, he knew about people like Marcial, Marcial the Golado, the founder of the missionaries of, of Christ. And she says, you know, everyone's calling him now Pope John Paul the Great. Uh, but but we, he needs to be, we need, we need to also um, uh, say in what ways was he implicated. Then she goes on to say things like, you know, those who were in the congregation for bishops who appointed this man, who were responsible for his advancement and the advancement of others. You know, how, how do we hold them uh, responsible? Um then we need to look at the people in the uh, American church itself who, who yes. put his name forward. So she's, she's basically saying, I mean, it's a bit, I was thinking earlier today, it's a bit like, because today the country remembers the massacre at Marikana. You know, it's no use just saying, 
those police that shot those miners need to be held accountable. Yes, they do. But there were people that gave them instructions, and there were people that gave them instructions. This goes right to the very top. And so she's saying, if we're going to be very serious about holding people accountable, and if we are going to systemically deal with this problem, we need to be willing to go right to the top where the problem begins, you know, um, which, which is a very powerful thing and makes very people very anxious. You know, I think personally that the canonization of John Paul II was, was too rushed. Um, and now the church sits with a huge problem because if there are or if there is information that leads us to see that he is implicated in some of this and he knew about these things, I mean, we know that he knew about Marcial and Marcial, and he chose to ignore them and carried on anyway. I mean, th- th- this puts the church in a really big predicament. So you really, and, and, and uh, this lady, uh, that's what she's saying, that, uh, you know, uh, systemic problems cannot be cured by finding culprits only, but they actually need you to go deep down into the whole system, the, the systemic solution. That's, that's what is needed. Yes, and Hanya, here's the problem. In 2002, when this big story broke in Boston, they did find the culprits, the people who did this. They locked them up in prison. Yes. You know, many, you know, there were, there were a number of priests who, 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 who were put through um, civil trials and, and locked up. And, and we know well that diocese paid out uh, thousands upon thousands of dollars for this. Okay. But, Father, doesn't that, I mean, it does say that, uh, you know, that convict and punish response to, to, I mean, it does show people that something is being done, doesn't it? Yes, but, it's not, but what I'm saying is it's not enough to simply just, because we've come to see more clearly in this whole McCarrick case, the problem is not just a few priests. The problem is a system that covers up this stuff that's happening. And the cover-ups are coming right from the very top. So they've come right from the very top of the American church, you know. So McCarrick being the example, McCarrick was, it was a well-known fact, it seems, that emerged, that people knew, and even bishops who followed him in the diocese where he was in, in Newark, they knew, because they knew that the diocese had paid out millions to people to keep him quiet, and they did nothing. They allowed him to continue up the clerical ladder, but eventually he was an archbishop and he was a cardinal. So, yes, the church is doing, society is doing something about those priests, but we have to face the fact that systemically in the system, there's a problem when people are, are not dealt with, when people knew about stuff, and yet someone like McCarrick advanced to be a cardinal. You know, there's another systemic problem. The other systemic problem here is the question of how the church deals with human sexuality. Clearly, what we are doing is not working. Clearly, what we are doing somehow is, is, is causing people to, um, to go underground, to, 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 not, to not be honest about themselves, etc., etc. Uh, you know, and, and I think we need to face these facts. You know, we, we talk about it here in Africa. We talk about, uh, you know, the questions of, maybe not uh, child abuse in, in, in the sense that we've seen it in the States, but we talk about, you know, priests and celibacy and things like that. We, we are not talking about these issues. And, and I think this is, and this, is the, this is the crux of the matter, that the Church has an unhealthy relationship with human sexuality. And until we're ready to address that and speak about that, we think we have a whole lot of teachings about human sexuality that sort of set the stage.
we do have a whole lot of teachings, but are we talking about the stuff? No, we're not. So we've got stuff on paper, but in practice, you know, we're finding out there's a very different thing happening. And until we're willing to talk about that and interrogate that and have open and honest conversations about the fact that we may not be uh, dealing with human sexuality in a way that is that we should be, I think this problem will just be perpetuated. And of course, uh, that uh, whole question of sexuality, that is, it's a question that's been raised also for this uh, synod that's coming up in October by young people as well. Yes, and my fear at the synod will be that the positions will simply just be entrenched as they are. You know, and it seems to be quite clear that a number of young people, if you read that linear mentor, are sort of suggesting that we need to be talking about and rethinking our approaches. And um, and uh, are we are we going to be bold enough and courageous enough and prophetic enough to be able to do that? I know, for example, that already in certain parts of the world, certain uh, people, certain clerics, certain bishops are unhappy with that minimenta and some of the things it outlines because they're saying that the issues and the concerns raised there are not part of official Catholic teaching, and that's precisely the problem. We say... This is not part of official teaching, and therefore we're not we're not talking about it. And yet, it, it, yeah, and then it continues happening, uh, whether it's in the teachings, uh, the official teachings of the church, or not. Exactly. You know, I was talking to um, Sanya, uh, a pretty high-level theologian in the American Church the other day on Skype, and he said to me, he fears that this is much worse than the Boston uh, 2002 uh, yes. uh, um, revelation. Yes. And he says he fears that this will begin the implosion of the Catholic Church across the world um, because this is just so deeply entrenched and there is such resistance to dealing with the issues that need to be dealt with in an effective, efficient, open, honest manner that this could be the real uh, beginning of, a, of, 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 so to speak, for, for lack of a, a more dramatic sort of uh, image, to say, you know, the Catholic Church is like one of the last empires that stretches across the world, and this empire is starting to crumble, and it's crumbling all around this issue of sexuality and the dishonesty of leadership, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I think that's really worth pondering, because I think it's quite a scary thought. And I think that um, if we do not see that the lights are orange and red and, and say, let's stop and deal with this, uh, this, 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 this bus is heading for a crash. And you say that, and I sit here in studio, and I feel that, you know, it, it is a scary thought. Yeah, it is. It is. And, but we have to face it, you know. I mean, we, you know, we have to go back to the Scriptures, and we have to see the absolute dire situation that some of the prophets of old faced, and how even just last weekend, you know, Elijah, it's, it, you know, and we have to say to ourselves, well, you know, what, what can we learn from them? What, we should, what should we be doing? You know, if, if we just sit back and think that we're going to weather the storm and that everything's going to be okay, I think we are deluding ourselves. And as the writer of this article says, uh, she says here, just as the church can restore trust and credibility through a forensic investigation of McCarrick's misdeeds, it can cure the systemic problems of clerical abuse by anything less than a conversion. Exactly. Conversion of hearts, conversion of, conversion of thought, conversion of mindset. 
conversion of structure. Structure, yes. I mean, it is ridiculous in a way, um, you know, that we expect one man, a pope, whoever that person is, to basically hold all the bishops in the world accountable. I mean, this is a system that, you know, this is a system that we, you know, that clearly hasn't worked and is not working. So we need to rethink how bishops are accountable. Um, and, and we know about these problems in South Africa on a, on a micro level. I mean, we know about the issues of accountability in government when you have people that are too, that are too powerful. And it's the same in the church. It's not, too far, it's not too far different when you come to the human dynamics of accountability. Father Russell, uh, just uh, ending it uh, on a lighter note, uh, anything else that's happening at uh, the Jesuit Institute South Africa? So, Kanya, uh, we, we are now gearing towards, um, we've just finished that, this race and, and, and religion conference. We are heading into September soon, where on the 13th and the 14th, we are hosting another conference called Digital Pathfinding, which is for uh, parents, and mostly teachers, educators, um, but really anybody who's interested going to be at the Sierra Hotel in Randburg, the 13th and the 14th of uh, September, where we will be looking most specifically at how to protect children in the digital world, but also how to use the digital world to our advantage so that we can help children. So it's, it's a two-pronged approach. We are not saying that we want to demonize the digital world, but we're saying there are serious problems in the digital world. We've got uh, psychologists speaking about the effect that it has on children's uh, brains and their development. We've got people from Facebook and from Google who will be talking about uh, the products that they offer to protect children. Uh, we've got uh, a lawyer talking about the legal framework for, for, for communications, what, what, what we can and cannot do. Uh, and we've also got um, people talking about strategy and policy for schools. So uh, there's going to be a packed conference at the 13th and 14th of February called Digital Pathfinding. Uh, we are doing it together with the Catholic Institute for Education. So if people are interested, especially teachers, uh, you know, of all, of all levels, uh, but not just teachers, uh, they can log on to the Jesuit Institute's website. It's jesuitinstitute.org.za, and you'll notice a banner in blue that says Digital Pathfinding. If you click on there, you will find all the registration information. So there you go. And it's as simple as that. Father Russell, we speak again next uh, Thursday. Thank you, Khanya. Have a good day. And you too, Father. God bless. All this best. is Matins with Khanya Ditabe and Colin York.